Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Prep to Pivot season 2 where we explore different aspects of making pivots in careers with expert guests from academia, industry veterans across banking, retail, hospitality, diplomats and research faculty from top business schools across the world. Today as expert guest we have with us Professor Sripad Devalkar. Professor Sripad's research interest falls under two broad themes: agricultural operations and non-profit and public sector operations. Within these thematic areas he is interested in understanding issues related to supply chain management and how the interaction of operational financial and risk management decisions affect outcomes he teaches the core operations management course in the pgp at isp as well as the elective course on logistics and supply chain management He is currently the associate professor of operations management at the Indian School of Business. Thank you so much for joining us today, Professor Sripad. Now that we've understood your career path so far, I'd like to start by understanding why you chose to start your career in consulting and what was that turning point that made you pivot into academia and research. Thanks first of all, thanks for having me, Richard, on your show. Uh I uh Well, uh, I guess that's a that's a easy question to ask, but I'm not really sure if I have a straightforward answer to that. Okay. Uh, I guess the easiest way for me to characterize it is I stumbled into this career in some uh, okay. in a manner of speaking. Uh, so just to uh, give a context to what I mean by that, mm-hmm. uh, so as you mentioned, I started off my career in the industry primarily in a consulting role uh and my first interest or the first time i was exposed to something like operations and supply chain management was during my mba right and it was an interesting enough subject uh which appealed uh to me uh because uh i guess it naturally meant there was some element of uh mathematical analysis right. quantitative analysis to it and it was also practical enough right and so i thought that that seemed like a good option and uh, as i kind of uh, moved along my corporate career it was satisfying but at some points it also felt limiting so uh, so on one of the projects that i worked on was looking at uh, inventory management for a large fmcg company in us and uh, it was practical because we were able to demonstrate that there was value in making changes to the plant system etc but it also kind of uh, made me realize that what i had learned in my mba days uh it it was limited based on uh, how it was framed it uh, it didn't account for all possible cases and so forth, which kind of got me thinking uh and i mean i guess pursuing academia as a career uh, if not a career at least pursuing a phd was something that had been with me for a while okay. uh, primarily because of advice that was given to me by my instructors uh, both during my undergrad and after uh, okay. the days so i said which is why i said okay maybe that's that might be a right point and which mm-hmm. I, i wish to probably explore right and as i started learning more about what doing a phd would involve and uh, what a career post phd might be like uh, that's when i realized that there is a uh, uh, there's a There's a good opportunity uh, in uh, academia to be able to both uh, do research as well as uh, uh, pursue teaching, which has kind of been always been a motivation for uh, being in academia. So I guess that's kind of how things happen. So uh, I can't kind of uh, 
put pin in time and say this is when I decided and this is what made me switch from a corporate career to an academic career but that's how things have evolved. Right. So what was it about like when you first started as a researcher what was something that you found was more challenging than you thought it might be? So maybe I'll start with an example. Right, so mm-hmm. uh, I applied for a bunch of PhD programs, uh, and uh, I got uh, an admission at the University of Michigan's program. So I said, "Great, I know where I'm going." And uh, I had this time uh, before I was to join the program. Okay. Uh, I was volunteering with an uh, NGO, mm-hmm. and so I had some time. And I said, I reached out to the faculty and I told them, "Look, as you know, uh, I've been away from an educational institution. From, right. I've been in the uh, corporate world. So, uh, is there anything I can do to prep myself right. uh, for the program? So they said, "Yeah, great." Uh, most people we would ask them to come join uh, uh, in the summer term. Fall is when the official program right. begins, but we would ask them to come join uh, in summer because then there's a math boot camp. Okay. So that would be very helpful. For me. I mm-hmm. said, but unfortunately, I can't come in summer because I have other commitments that I need to deliver. I can only join in fall. But uh, if there is anything I can do uh, as a substitute, they said, okay, great. Uh, here are a bunch of textbooks uh, <laughs> uh, and here's one uh, uh, subject uh, that we would like you to kind of start preparing yourself with. Uh, here are the chapters and here are the exercise problems that you would like to do. Okay. I was like, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. That sounds intense. But so I started with it and uh, to begin with, it seemed reasonably straightforward. Uh, obviously, it took a lot of remembering, a lot of going back to what I had studied and building on that. And then progressively, it started getting harder. And right. that's when it hit me that, look, this is not going to be very easy. No. And uh, so in that sense, I guess the uh, rigor, I mean, you always knew it was going to be rigorous, yep. but uh, the actual rigor involved in pursuing a PhD and therefore in actually conducting uh, academic research, yeah. that's when it hit me home. And I guess going through the coursework in the first couple of years was probably the first challenge. Right. Post that, it was, uh, I guess the challenges were uh, more in terms of being able to identify a good research question. And that's where your advisors help. But uh, at the end of the day, it's a large onus is on you to also kind of figure out what's an interesting enough question, uh, but at the same time, a question that it that lends itself to analysis and therefore for you to be able to say something meaningful about it. Right? Right. So those, I guess, is the process of research uh, for someone who had taken a break from academia, so to mm-hmm. speak, uh, was was uh, seemed challenging and right. uh, it was it was fun at the same time. I wouldn't deny that. Right. Uh, that actually leads me to my next question, which is that uh, given that you knew you wanted to do research in operations management, that's mm-hmm. something that you had enjoyed and worked in. So what was something about this domain that excited you the most when you were picking out, uh, you know, which area to deep dive in for your PhD? I guess uh, that's, I mean, it's, it's essentially the practical applicability. Right. So in that mm-hmm. sense, I could I could see uh, in my corporate career, at least I could see the impact that uh, operations thinking, right. application of basic principles of operations management, the amount of value that it generally performs. Right. And to some extent, I could also see it in a slightly different context, because, uh, like I said, 
I before I went for a PhD, I was taking a, a break from the corporate world. I was uh, kind of volunteering with an NGO, and yeah. I had an uh, opportunity to kind of uh, apply some of these uh, uh, principles in uh, during my volunteering efforts. Well, and so in that sense, it just the universal applicability of process thinking, basic principles, mm-hmm. uh, kind of just made sense. And right. so I said, look, if there is anything that I can learn more, if uh, the same principles can be extended or can be brought to bear in contexts that are less understood mm-hmm. uh, and there's a new angle that one can think about it, that, that in some sense, that's what I was sold. Perfect. So uh, we, we discussed a couple of aspects about your research and one of that was the uh, academic rigor that comes with having done a PhD as well as being a research professor. So uh, given that, what would you say is an important trait that someone would need to be able to work as an academic? Hmm. A couple of things, I guess. Uh, one is obviously a good grounding and methodological skills, whatever they might be that's required for the kind of research that you need to, mm-hmm. uh, that you want to pursue. Right. Uh, the other big uh, uh, trait that one that is necessary to be uh, a good researcher is persistence. Okay. It's an inherently uncertain process because when you set out on the research project, the outcome is as unclear as it can be, and it's a discovery process. There's a fair bit of exploration involved in trying to frame the problem and then coming up with an analysis approach and then coming up with uh, insights and being able to kind of come up with a judgment uh, about is this meaningful, is this insightful, who is the audience that uh, is going to be the consumer of these insights because uh, as as a researcher in a business school uh, there are diverse audiences that you are appealing to. So one is the uh, academic community itself, uh, which is looking for uh, a specific uh, set of things, right? So is it novel enough? Uh, are you saying something new about the problem? Uh, is what you're saying general enough to extend beyond the specific context? Mm-hmm. Right? So for example, if I'm looking at, uh, say, welfare delivery in India, yeah. now what about the characteristics of this problem and the insights translate to other uh, settings? So be it welfare delivery in other countries or be it uh, regular business for a profit making. Right. Right. So that's what academic community is looking for. Uh, but then it also, it's, it's only meaningful if it is at some level uh, says something or does something to help practice. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, how do you kind of convey the practical implications of your work? You are, a lot of the times you're not directly talking to that audience right. but there will be occasions where you need to speak to that audience as well and how do you translate what you're doing as part of your rigorous academic research uh, to speak to an audience which is uh, practice oriented or looking for very specific recommendations mm-hmm. sometimes in terms of what they need to do how they need to change their decision making and so forth right so in that sense that's uh, uh, that takes time uh, it's something that, at least for personally speaking, I've kind of, I think I've improved a fair bit from where I was when I started off. Uh, and uh, it takes a lot of persistence. So if you you have to be able to stay with the problem for a very long period of time, right. 
uh, with the knowledge that there is a chance that all the effort that you spent would come to naught. Right. You might just have to abandon that uh, uh, problem after you realize that there is no way you're going to make any further progress on it. Right. So I think what I'm understanding is there has to be the intrinsic motivation to just keep going as well. Yes. It's 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 beyond. I mean, even when you're doing your PhD, uh, I guess the in hindsight, at least, the easiest time in the PhD was the first two years where you were doing coursework because there was a structure. Right. You knew what courses needed to be done. There's a timeline. There's a schedule to your coursework. You knew when the exams were. You knew when your comprehensive exams were. And a lot of people will tell you that the third year of the PhD program is where uh, it kind of uh, uh, becomes the most challenging because before you know it, the third year just vanishes. And that's primarily because there is, you're not suddenly coming from two years where there's been a lot of structure right. to a phase where, uh, in some sense, it to a large extent relies on your own motivation. Because okay. it's from this point is when you're starting to kind of explore your dissertation topic, you're trying to identify research questions, and uh, while your mentors and advisors will help you, uh, a lot of it is your own, the onus is on you to kind of get right. it. And so there is uh, an inherent element of uh, uh, self-discipline, mm -hmm. intrinsic motivation that comes in. And that's something that you have to have uh, as long as you're in this career. Because no one's telling you what what, to do. what, what the problem is. It's right. for you to do it. And no one's giving you time. I mean, sure, there are broad timelines, but beyond that, on a specific project, it's up to you to kind of keep pushing. Right. So uh, what I understand is that in research, there is the big question of deciding what is the question or the problem that you mm -hmm. want to solve. And another problem that I think is there, uh, because even I come from a research background, PMB, so what I remember is that staying abreast of what's happening in your field, like knowing the state of the art is something that's very important. So how? what are some of the ways that you keep yourself uh, self-educated or aware of what's happening in your field? Uh, so maybe let, let me try and break it down into a couple of different buckets. Right? Sure. So one is uh, there is uh, progress in terms of what's happening in your field, uh, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of what's happening in academia, right. uh, in terms of uh, new trends, new methodologies, mm -hmm. uh, new kinds of problems, etc. Then there are trends in the industry because inherently as a researcher, academic researchers in business school, right. uh, your problems originate from practice. And so what's happening in practice, right? So uh, in terms of keeping up with what's happening in academia, it's uh, a few different avenues. One is uh, each area has a set of journals uh, that are considered, uh, uh, that, I mean, have a focus, right? So some, right. and so you kind of keep uh, up to date with what's getting published in these journals. Mm -hmm. uh, you, to some extent, you also kind of naturally tend to uh, be abreast of what's happening because uh, a part of your job as an uh, academic is also to review uh, pe right. papers that people submit. So you get to see what uh, people are working on. Uh, you attend conferences where you get to hear what people are working on so you know what's new. Uh, and then in practice, of course, there are... Uh, your interactions with uh, practitioners, mm -hmm. uh, practitioner journals, what you 
C in the business press. So those are typical conduits of information to keep abreast of what's happening. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, these are likely to be not very different from what you would do even in a corporate career, right? So you would kind of keep yourself aware of what's happening in the industry. In some sense here, industry has both these components to it. Right, right. So uh, that actually brings me to my next question, that as a professor, how do you balance your time between developing course material, teaching classes, and doing your own research, keeping yourself updated, doing the reading? It just seems like a never-ending list. Yeah, and uh, I guess the simplest answer to it is I don't balance my time. At <laughs> least, <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I, I as B, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, I guess, teaching here because it's a one-year program, yeah. uh, it's an eight-term program, so at most, uh, you're teaching for, uh, I guess, before the last few years before COVID, it was, you're teaching for five weeks in a term, right. if you're teaching one entire term, and then you probably teach uh, uh, two terms. Right. And, and so it's it's about, I guess, 10 to 12 weeks in a year that you're really uh, intensely uh, uh spending effort on teaching mm -hmm. uh, in the classroom and uh, actually delivering the courses. Right. So it's it's in those 12 weeks and uh, you tend to at least, uh, it's not very often that you start teaching a new course. Right? So okay. each of us have like a few courses that we are interested in teaching that mm -hmm. we've been teaching for a while. So uh, that prep, so I'll not deny that every time I teach the, say for example, the operations core course, uh, I've taught it many times, but yeah. every time I still have to prep for it. It is. It might just be me, but that's. Uh, but that that requires still requires a prep before you walk into a classroom, right? Yeah. Uh, part of it is also just uh, updating the course material. So I can't be talking about an example that's ten years old. Right. Uh, I will have to kind of say, okay, fine. This is the concept. What's the what's what are the more recent examples that I can bring to class, right? right. So, uh, and so that's. So for core courses, that's kind of what updating course material uh, mm -hmm. uh, consists of. There might be new topics that are emerging, new technologies that industry might be using to make the same set of decisions. Right. Uh, and so you kind of uh, update your material. That, that doesn't happen uh, every year. That probably happens once in two or three years. Right. Right. Uh, uh, so that's, so teaching, it's uh, bulk of the work is concentrated. Okay. bulk of the effort is concentrated and there's some background work that mm -hmm. you kind of do, keep doing. The rest of the time is uh, primarily focused on research. So I guess, uh, I hate to admit it, but I think I've lost count of the number of open projects that I have. <laughs> but at any point in time, we'll probably have uh, two or three projects that you're actively working on, okay. right? Uh, they'll be in different stages of progress. Some in the analysis phase, some where uh, you might have a draft ready that you're refining a draft, some which you already submitted uh, to a journal, you might be waiting to hear back from a journal, you heard from them, now you have to do revisions based on what the referees are saying and so forth. And then there is uh, a component of service. Uh, what I mean by service is as a citizen uh, of the school, uh, uh, there's some service that you Right, so this is be it serving as part of committees, okay. uh, 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 other task forces, and so forth. Uh, there's also come a service that you do to your community at large, your professional community at large, which is uh, you would referee for journals, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you would 
organize sessions at conferences, you would uh, take up responsibility of, let's say, organizing a student paper competition or organizing a small conference uh, uh, kind of uh, as a branch out from a typical large conference right. that you have and so forth, right? And uh, those are, those happen. Uh, typically, there is no, uh, what should I say? This, I mean, it's not very unpredictable because you know that you will expect that, for example, in the US, you tend to have a lot of people kind of spend intense effort on research around their summer months because that's when they're not teaching. Okay. And so you expect that come August, uh, yeah. you're likely to get a lot more requests for refereeing um, articles right. submitted. But there will always be other things that get submitted. Yeah, so in that sense, you know what you what okay. um, what load to expect. Right. Uh, but there's also unpredictability. Right. Right? So it's in that sense, I guess there isn't uh, very significant spikes in demand for time. Uh, that still doesn't mean that I managed to do a good job of <laughs> so. No, no. Uh, and I think uh, what I can understand from our conversation is that uh, there is an there is a passion for the profession over here, mm -hmm. which is what keeps you going. So, uh, what is one of your favorite research projects that you worked on? <laughs> no, it's like you're asking me to pick a favorite child out of uh, <laughs> a few. <laughs> right. How do I do that? <laughs> uh, maybe we can discuss a few as well. That's not a problem. Uh, sure. Uh, I guess uh, uh, this probably is true for many people, right? Uh, I guess your dissertation is probably very dear to uh, your heart, right. right? Because that's in some sense the first time that you're doing a full-fledged research project uh, right. that you can say is your own, right? right? So I guess in that sense, uh, 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 I'm very attached to my uh, the papers that have come out of my dissertation. So right. that probably is a uh, it's something that uh, I, I cherish. Uh, there have been other projects since then that uh, I really enjoyed working on. So, for example, the most uh, recent projects that I've been working on with collaborators uh, here at ISB and uh, uh, Nare and uh, one of the FPM students who's now graduated is uh, a set of projects related to the public distribution system in India. Okay. Uh, I enjoyed for a couple of different reasons. Uh, one, I think the questions are important. Uh, they are, uh, uh, I mean, because the problem or the context is large and very significant. So we're talking about delivery of subsidized food grains for uh, as part of the Food Security Act. Right? So in that sense, uh, trying to understand how different initiatives government has undertaken has affected the performance of these programs, I think is an important question. Mm -hmm. And to that extent, the importance of the question makes it excellent. Uh, this has been the first set of projects where I'm now kind of applying a new methodology that I haven't used before in my research. Okay. Uh, so I'm basically now, uh, this project is completely empirical. So it's uh, it's trying to do empirical estimation to see the impact and so forth. So this is, uh, this is about, uh, this is, I'm, I'm learning the methodology as I go. Okay. So in that sense, uh, it's exciting to learn new methodology, right? right? So I guess those would be the, uh, and then, of course, every project is cherished, So, yeah, so those, those would be uh, a few ones. And then there is uh, this, uh, I guess, one project that I've been involved in, which is completely atypical of all my other projects, which is a completely theoretical project, which probably 
15 people in the world uh, might really want to read that paper, <laughs> but it's been it's been a lot of fun because it required me to apply things that I'd learned in the second year of my Okay. So a math course that I was convinced I was going to fail. Okay. <laughs> a lot of things that I learned in that course, I'm now having to apply on that project. So it's it's been fun. And then I, the collaborators that I've worked on uh, on each of my research mm-hmm. projects uh, have been wonderful. So I've had fun times. That that's really great to hear. So uh, in terms of the knowledge nugget segment, I have one last question, which is that you made a pivot into research. So for people who are looking to pivot into research as well, um, why and how can they uh, do that? Okay, uh, uh, I guess the how is probably easier to answer. So let me try answering that first. Right. Uh, so. So in some sense, at least uh, I know uh, at ISP at least, uh, uh, we have this program called the Research uh, Assistant Research Associate Program, right. um, which is which is kind of like a pre-doctoral program. So okay. it's, it's, it's specifically meant to help people who are looking to uh, transition into an academic career, okay. uh, to give them a sense of what academic research uh, in a business school uh, context looks like mm-hmm. so uh, and so it gives them an opportunity to uh, kind of experience the research process so okay. there you typically work with a faculty member on a project that the faculty member has uh, uh, going on mm-hmm. help them with uh, analysis and so forth right and at least in uh, uh, in our area uh, pretty much all of them have gone on to pursue PhD programs right so that's that's a good way to get exposed to uh, to uh, what a PhD in a business school looks like, and therefore what a career uh, in some sense also what a career in academia would look like. So right. so that's those would be ways that you can uh, uh, explore it. So if you don't have access to a program such as this, I guess the best opportunity is to uh, talk to your instructors, uh, whichever institution you might be, be it undergrad, be it uh, in a graduate program. Talk to them. Learn more about what they do mm-hmm. uh, outside of the classroom. Because if you're a if you're in a research institution such as the ISP, then a large uh, portion of the time that a faculty member spends is spent on research. Mm-hmm. So they'll be able to kind of. And uh, trust me when I say this, uh, most almost all of us are happy to talk to people about our research. Okay. Right? So if you want to know more? I'm always happy to chat about it. Right. Absolutely. So in that sense, people are always welcome. So uh, mm-hmm. it's it's good to kind of ask them uh, what they're working on, uh, see if there are ways in which you can they might uh, be able to use your skill set. And again, that comes from familiarity. Right? So if okay. you're in a class, you've taken a class, mm-hmm. uh, and you enjoy the class, then there might be ways to relate uh, what you learned in the class and say, hey, can I help you with something? So right. a lot of places have, uh, uh, for example, I get a lot of internship requests from people in undergrad uh, institutions okay. saying, I'm finishing my second year, I have a summer, can I come to an internship and right. so forth. Right? So, so those are all ways in which you can try and figure out uh, how to transition. Mm-hmm. And I guess that also gives you a sense of whether this might be a right opportunity for you. Because again, let's be honest, right? Uh, uh, it's, it's not a career for anyone, right? right? Uh, having said that, most RAs went on to do a PhD, there were also a few decided that after the RA experience, look, it's not what I thought it would be, right? I don't think I'm suited for this. This is not, uh, this does not meet my expectations. I'm, I'm going back to the 
Okay. Which is which is perfectly fine, right? Uh, uh, why someone should pursue academic research? I guess that's a question that uh, each person will have to answer for themselves. Okay. Uh, it's I don't think uh, I can answer that question for anyone because right. it, like I said, a lot of it is uh, intrinsic motivation, mm -hmm. and uh, if you're comfortable with uh so what i can say is what uh what a research what an academic career entails right mm -hmm. you need to be inherently comfortable uh dealing with uncertainty right and if it's something that you can deal with then maybe it's worth asking the question should i pursue this? and mm -hmm. beyond that what you should do your research in what phd program uh what area you should do your phd in etc it boils down to what what is it what are the kind of questions that are interesting right. what are you interested in so i think self-awareness is something that would really help answer yes the question. And, and yeah to a large extent right? and again i guess f ways to find an answer to that question would be to look back and say which courses did i actually enjoy doing? Right. right what projects did i have a great time working on that that i felt like i could continue doing this for the rest of my life right so those would be that would give you clues for where, what, well, what area to pursue research mm -hmm. in if you wanted to, and what academic, what PhD programs would work for you. And so right. So uh, with that, we come to the end of the knowledge nugget segment, and we move to the quick rapid fire question. Okay. So if you're all right, then I'll start off. Then. Sure. All right. So the first question is: What do you wish that your younger self knew about your current profession? Ah, uh, well, I guess. Uh, the norm is that a lot of papers that you submit get rejected the first time around. Right. That's something that I wish I knew because it would have set the right expectation. <laughs> it still wouldn't have made it. Right. All right. Um, who is someone that you consider as your industry mentor or role model? I guess there are probably uh, uh, a few people. Uh, again, at different stages, there have been different people. Right. So. I guess looking back, uh, uh, my one of my undergrad instructors who became a great friend. Mm -hmm. uh, not not so much in terms of uh, uh, research, but just right. just in terms of uh, a mentor, right? Right. someone that I could just go to his office and kind of just uh, go like talk to him, right, and uh, would give me a word that would help me. Right? So this is an uh, instructor in the humanities at Madras. So probably one of uh, the people that I hold in high regard that I think had a great influence on uh, who I am as a My undergraduate uh, thesis advisor, uh, he was the first one who said, why aren't you doing a PhD? When I told him that I'm going to go to an MBA. Okay. <laughs> I still don't, for, still can't forget the look on his face when he said, you want to do an MBA? <laughs> so, because that was in some sense the first uh, exposure to doing a project. Okay. I mean, of course, I had a lot of guidance from him. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem was very defined, but nevertheless, that was right. my first uh, exploration of working on a project. And uh, then uh, the OM instructor in my MBA days, because uh, that's when I fell in love with this uh, uh, subject. And uh, he said, while he didn't say go do a PhD, he said, Maybe at some point, think seriously about doing a PhD, right? And right. I guess that kind of uh, laid the seed uh, of an idea. 
And of course, my uh, uh, dissertation advisors, Ravi and Amitabh, and I mean, I owe pretty much everything to them. I mean, I, I, am, I am the researcher that I am, and uh, I guess uh, I hope I'm living up to their expectations. But and then, of course, all the colleagues that I've worked with mm -hmm. so far. Right. So I guess uh, maybe most of the people that I've worked with so far have all been uh, senior colleagues, and I've benefited from my collaborations with each other. So I guess different mentors at different stages in the right. career for different uh, reasons. reasons. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you weren't doing research, what do you think you might have been doing now? Ah, that's a hard question to answer. I guess maybe a high school teacher. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's that's something that I've always toyed uh, with in terms of if tomorrow I decided to say, okay, I'm, I no longer want to be in this profession or mm -hmm. I'm going to retire from being a faculty in a business school. What should I do to kind of keep myself from going mad? I guess, uh, I guess part of the reason high school or a uh, middle school teacher, because I love interacting with kids. Okay. <laughs> so it's just, I guess you can be yourself with them. Right. And uh, the curiosity that kids have, I think is just magnificent. I think that's something that I, that's an environment that I enjoy being in. Okay. And so I guess that's probably what I would do. That's really interesting. Um, what is something that you're currently reading or watching and do you have some book that you would like to recommend? Uh, well, I just finished watching Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency on Netflix. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit of a uh, science fiction. Writer. So I, okay. I love Asimov. I've okay. read Asimov's books many times and... Uh, so the Dirk Gently series is a Douglas Adams thing. Okay. So that's uh, that's something I just finished watching Netflix. I'm meant to find figure out what to watch next. Uh, in terms of books, I'm currently reading this book by uh, uh, Arvind Narayan. Okay. Uh, it's called India's Undeclared Emergency. So uh, yeah, it's, I still haven't figured out. I still haven't finished it, so I'll figure out what next to read after that. Fair Alright, and my final question would be, what is one question that you wish I had asked you today? Uh, why someone should not pursue an academic research career? Alright, and what would have been <laughs> your answer? I guess uh, uh, it's, it's an inherently uncertain process. Mm -hmm. And so if you're looking for structures, then probably this is not the profession for you. Right. Alright. Uh, well, with that, we come to the end of today's episode and thank you so much again for sharing your insights. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.